0: Uh, The Lord also fulfilled a very important prophecy, a late prophecy, by the prophet Zechariah, who said, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, he is just and having salvation, lowly, and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass." And when you compare the Gospels, Luke tells us that the Lord did actually ride upon the colt, the foal, the young one, uh, on which man had never sat. And this was his vehicle riding into the city of Jerusalem. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. And again, we bring you the message of the gospel today. And as we come to rejoice in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, we have a topic on a king for a day, the Lord Jesus riding into the city of Jerusalem. We also have a little segment on Don't Miss the Cross Repentance is required. May the Lord speak to your heart today through his word. Matthew 21, the passage that we read together earlier, we're looking at the entry of our Lord into the city of Jerusalem, riding on a donkey while the people shouted Hosanna to the son of David. There's a certain fascination about this event because, well, mostly the Lord didn't seek the limelight. He didn't seek the applause and the praise of men. The Lord mostly shied away from publicity. For several days at least in the area of Jerusalem, the Lord preferred to lodge outside the city, various places out of sight, not very noticed. But here in this account, we see the Lord entering the city, uh, not merely in his normal fashion, but coming as a king. And here we see the Lord as a king for a day on this entry into the city of Jerusalem, and the people shouting in a very public manner. And we read here of multitudes— Of people singing these praises, Hosanna to the Son of David. Why? Well, his hour had come. There was no need now to be secretive, no need to wait for that time when his work in Jerusalem would begin. This was the week of the Lord's trial, the week when he would suffer and when he would die on that cruel cross. In this act of riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, the Lord also fulfilled a very important prophecy, a late prophecy by the prophet Zechariah, who said, "'Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, thy king cometh unto thee! He is just and having salvation!' lowly, and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And when you compare the Gospels, Luke tells us that the Lord did actually ride upon the colt, the foal, the young one, on which man had never sat. And this was his vehicle riding into the city of Jerusalem. Now, as that prophecy was fulfilled so literally after a number of years passing by, we may well expect that just as Christ entered the city of Jerusalem as king, fulfilling the Scriptures so specifically, he shall come again. And he will not just be a king for a day, but he shall come as the king of glory and the King of kings. And what praises will then be offered to the one who shall come, not just riding on a donkey, but coming in the train of his glory and of his honor? Now, in the midst of this, what really was a a tremendous display of honor and praise to Jesus, the son of David. And as he drew close to the city, and the city was thronged. It was filled with people. This was Passover week, when the diaspora would be from all the the nations around, pressing in through the gates of Jerusalem. And here comes Christ riding on his donkey, and the songs of praise going up to him— there was one big question, and you'll see it there in verse 10. Who is this? Who is this? Preachers love it when questions are asked in the Bible because I get the opportunity to answer the question. And I want to answer that with you today. Who is this riding into the city of Jerusalem in such pomp and in such ceremony with Hosanna, Hosanna, save us now. Who is he? Well, I have five things I want to say here on this. He is the all-knowing God. He told the disciples to go and they would find a donkey with an ass tied. He's the all-knowing God. He's the all-commanding ruler because the people who own the donkey would free it up and give it for his use. He's the sin-hating judge, because when he entered into the city of Jerusalem, he chased out the money changers and those who were desecrating the temple. He is the all-compassionate friend. We read that he healed the blind, and he stood with the little children in the temple, singing Hosanna to his name. The first one then is that he's the all knowing God. If you look at verse 2, it said uh, that he selects two disciples and he sends them and he says, Go into the village over against you, and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Now, if you look up on the map, that you will find that this city of Bethpage is about a kilometer from the Mount of Olives. On the eastward direction, and the Mount of Olives is about a kilometer from the city of Jerusalem, in the same direction. And so, two mile, two kilometers or so out from Jerusalem, you have the city of Bethpage, just a small town. Right now, of course, it's a place that's densely populated, apartment buildings, and the dips and the valleys and the peaks all kinds of buildings and roads with a a very dense population today. But as the Lord sent his disciples into that village, the Lord knew exactly that the donkey and the colt, where it would be situated, it would be right there in sight. If you look at verse 2 again, you'll notice how he described the situation to his disciples— the Lord say, straightway ye shall find an ass tied. This is not going to be any big search. It'll be in an open, public place. You'll have no trouble finding this donkey and its colt. He also itemized that ye shall find it tied. They wouldn't have to go on a roundup. It would be conveniently tied, ready for the taking. And along with this donkey, there would be its and they were to lose them and bring them. Ah, the Lord's knowledge of these things was not coincidence. He had not yet been in the city, but because he is the all-knowing God. We see here the Lord's knowledge is supernatural. And that is a great proof of Christ's deity, that he is God in the flesh. Omniscience is an attribute of God. One who is all-knowing and all-seeing has to be God. And you and I need to know today that Jesus is indeed all-knowing. Let us remember this at all times. The Lord knows all about us. He knows our words. He knows our acts and deeds. He knows each and everything that we do. He knows our uprising, down as the psalmist puts it. He knows where you live. He knows the inside of your home. He knows the life that you live. He knows the decisions that you make. He knows the things that you count dear and precious and and the things that you might devalue and despise. The Lord knows the things that you watch on television. He knows your habits, your likes, your dislikes. He knows your listening to music and radio. He knows the newspapers, the sights, the scenes that you feast upon. The Lord is all-knowing, and he knows you, your actions, your thoughts, your deeds. This is very searching and can be convicting, but for the Christian, it is also very reassuring because he hears your prayers and he knows your needs. Even before we ask, the Lord reads our hearts and he knows how to answer us how could we worship pray to one who was not all-knowing how could he be our savior if he did not know us through and through and so we learn here that who is this jesus is god he is all-knowing then also he is all commanding because well the taking of the donkey and the colt. This commission was given to the disciples, and it was very bold, and it was very brazen. They were just to walk into this village of Bethpage. They were to go in their way, and they would immediately find this donkey with its foal tied, probably to someone's fence or property, and they were to loose it, take it out. That, that It sounds like theft, it sounds, sounds like stealing, just walking in and taking the first donkey and foal that you meet. But the Lord also had prepared them and said, now, if anyone speaks to you, just simply say, the Lord has need of them. That's all you need to say. And the Lord had prepared the hearts of the owners to release them to the master's use." Now, this would be a very valuable donkey and colt. Anyone in that little village that had work to do, perhaps in, in on the land or merchandise to transport, they would have put great value upon that donkey and that foal. And maybe the mother was getting older, but now was coming along the younger. What a valuable this was to the householder. It'd be like some strangers coming and getting into your work truck and just deciding to drive off on it. Wouldn't sit very well normally. There would have to be some preparation to allow that. But the Lord said, just tell them, the Lord hath need of them. And the wonderful thing that we see here in verse 4 to 7 Is that it all went very smoothly? Let's read it here in chapter 21, verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass and a colt of the foal. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they set him there on. Now, when you read Mark's account in Mark chapter 11, the Lord had prepared these people's hearts and had opened them to joyfully surrender this donkey and the colt over to the Lord's use. And there is no greater argument than to simply say, the Lord hath need— of them there is no greater motive uh, for the christian who loves the lord and who wants to serve the lord when it comes to sacrifice when it comes to giving unto the lord's work than to simply hear the lord has need of them i trust that you have been so moved because the lord is a commanding ruler he rules our hearts he is the King of our lives. And the Lord stirs us that we are ready and willing and yielded to sacrifice unto the Lord. The cause of Christ in His church and every missionary endeavor needs the continual and the willing sacrifices of God's servants, God's people, everywhere to do what they can to promote the will, and the work of God. And when it is God's will, it is well within his power and his pleasure to prepare hearts, to move men, to give, surrender, and yield their all unto him. And Christ is indeed the ruler of the world, and by ruling the hearts of men, he builds his church He moves his will and his work forward. And so there was the taking of the donkey, but there was also the taming of the colt. And in Luke 19, we're told that it was the colt which the Lord rode upon, a colt on which man had never sat. Now, I'm not sure if you've ever tried to ride a donkey. To ride a donkey is tricky business at the best of times. But to ride an untrained, unused, unridden donkey, a young one, you need to be very brave. You need to be willing for all kinds of antics and all kinds of rejection. But the amazing thing is that this animal was subdued that the Lord rode upon it all the way, all that distance, right into the city of Jerusalem. Even in the midst of the crowds and the multitudes, in the midst of the praises, Hosanna to the son of David. And you know, the Lord can tame. He can tame the wildest beast. He shut the lion's mouth for Daniel, and he can tame the wildest heart, and there may be someone in your orbit that is not a Christian, not saved, and you would say that person is a rebel to God, has no intention of ever yielding to the Lord. Well, don't forget that the Lord commands, and he rules everywhere, and the Lord can subdue the rebellion of man's heart, even your heart if you're not a Christian you're wondering, how could I ever be saved? How could I ever be changed? If you accept Christ as your Savior, He will change you. He will take the lust out of your heart, and He will put in your heart the love of the Savior, and you will delight to serve Him and to live for Him. The Lord also can take worldliness out of your heart. You might right now be living for world, and for pleasure, and for money, and for all the fame of men. And you might make the, I want to serve those things. But the Lord can take those things right out of your life, and He can subdue you that you will truly serve the Master. And to those who have terrible addictions, the addictions of alcoholism, drugs, and various noxious things that destroy lives, surely the Lord has the power take those things away and subdue men through the power of the gospel. And if you're here today and you want to be changed, you want to be delivered from the wicked things of this world, there is one who can do it. His name is Jesus. Who is this? He is the ruler and the commander of men. And if you turn your heart to Him, He will change your life, and He will work in power within you. listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of our Free Presbyterian Church. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Missing the cross, that is our theme as we come up to Easter. You will miss the cross of Christ if it does not bring you to personal repentance over your own sin. The horror of the Son of God crucified on a Roman cross Hanging there for hours in wretched sorrow, paying the price of sin, must, by its very nature, lead sinners to hate the sins that made Christ suffer. A look at the suffering Savior can never again allow the sinner that considers the reason for it all to enjoy sin ever again. Once the sight of Christ's suffering gets a hold of your mind, and your heart, you will never again think that sin is a trifle to merely be swiped away. Sin is no longer little. It's a monster. Sin is such an offense to God's goodness and to His holiness that it created a rift in heaven. When God sent forth His Son, it caused the world to come under a curse that only a divine person in a human body could resolve it. That person, the Lord Jesus, had to die to make atonement. Christ's death was not a happy display of God's love to the world. It was not an arbitrary show of God's interest in fixing men's social problems. The cross was the instrument of suffering by which the Lord Jesus offered himself as a bloody sacrifice unto death. To turn away God's holy anger against our sin. It was focused on appeasing God's deep-seated offense. It was to turn away the fury of the one who is jealous for his own glory. When the Holy Spirit uses the instrument of the cross to awaken within us a sleeping conscience, we become pricked in heart. We are suddenly aghast at what our sin has done. That was the result of Peter's preaching to the Jews who had been crying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Let me read to you Acts 2, verse 36 onward. Therefore, let all the house of Israel assuredly know that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. even as many as the Lord our God shall call. To be pricked in heart is to be awakened to the reality of what sin has done. These Jews realized that they had the blood of Jesus on their hands, and we do too. Do you realize that? It was our sins that kneeled the Son of God to that cross. Yes, your sins committed— in your own body, your own sinful words from your own lips and deeds with your own hands, all commanded by your own wicked heart. Till now you have also cried away with the Lord Jesus. You have had no time for him. You are a Christ-rejector. The person who has grasped the significance of Jesus dying for their sin will repent with a godly sorrow. You will even mourn and lament of the evil that you have done to cause such offence to the very heart of God. That one so holy must suffer, must bleed, and must die in your place. Let me quote the hymn, Alas, and did my Saviour bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for sins that I had done he groaned upon the tree? Amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in when the incarnate Maker died for man his creature's sin. Thus might I hide my blushing face, While his dear cross appears, dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt mine eyes to tears. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do.